it, it suddenly dawned on me that we've got three different accents, you know, really speaking Spanish and Andy speaking British, and of course I'm the real American here, so just for those that want to distinguish all the British accents, uh, I'm South African. Uh, I'm, my name is Rob. For those of you that are visiting for the first time, uh, I'm the senior pastor here. It's, it's great to have you. And uh, it's middle of summer. It's a delight to, that you joined us today. I'm pleased that you're here. And our youth, uh, if you haven't already found your way out, this is the week that you have your special class. Uh, so enjoy that as well. I've been doing a, a series this summer. Let me just get this out of the way. Um, looking at what will cause people to notice Jesus in us. In other words, like this picture, you know, we just uh, feel like we're a cat, and, uh, but they see something in us. Uh, what would cause uh, somebody uh, that doesn't really know us, when they look at us, to say, there's something different about you. There's something uh, positive. Uh, there's something that I would like to have that you got. And uh, so what is it in us uh, that radiates out, that reflects uh, Jesus? Uh, and today, I want to look at, uh, surprisingly perhaps, is uh, finances, uh, that we have uh, faith in a God who provides. And uh, there's a sense that uh, we can go through life, the ups and downs of life, but what is different is that we feel that we have a partnership with God, that it's not only up to us to try and make ends meet and to find the right job and to uh, deal with all the stress of making money. There's a sense that God uh, is in it, uh, opens up opportunities for us and uh, helps us uh, in our finances. And in a sense that we can really uh, find rest and peace because it's not only up to us. Now, not all of us uh, reflect that, but if you're living in the fullness uh, of your walk with uh, Christ, that should really be a, a reality. Now, in my own uh, personal life, uh, Christ did sort of a, a strange thing with me. You would think that when you accept the Lord, it's sort of an onward and upward uh, track uh, where you just go from blessing to blessing. Uh, but in my particular case, I came to faith what I think was late in life, in the end of my 20s. And uh, although I hadn't read this book, uh, the Bible, there was a passage, or there is a passage in here, which pretty much describes uh, where I was at. And I'll read it to you. This is out of the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Well, uh, I just came from a... Uh, poorer kind of family, and I realized it was better to be rich than poor, so I just sort of set my whole life in trying to make money, and the more the better. Uh, but little did I know that uh, becoming a believer, this pursuit of money when that's like all you think about, and you're all consumed by it, uh, is problematic. Uh, I mean, it becomes like an idol, or not becomes, it is an idol, it was an idol, and uh, Christ doesn't particularly care for other idols and uh, for other allegiances. So he had a small, simple plan. Uh, he was going to remove that idol in me and stamp it out. So there's a simple way that Christ does that. Uh, you accept Christ. 
your business is doing fabulously well, and uh, you come back from honeymoon uh, because I want to get my, my life right with the Lord in, in, in every aspect, and the Lord just makes your business go completely broke. Now, you see, when you're going through times of uh, being totally broke, uh, uh, your trust changes. You say, oh, God, what are you doing? Uh, we can't afford to waste those uh, difficult times in our lives. But what Christ wanted to do was root out this love of money and kill it. I mean, he knew he had to be brutal with me because otherwise this you know, weed would just rise up again. And uh, God just did some amazing things. Uh, those of you that have heard my testimony, I, I don't have time to share it in full, but uh, my business went completely broke. I, I, I tried everything to pay back all the money I owed. I, I couldn't. I Finally, I'm totally broken. I say, Lord, I, I just give my life to you again. I'm already committed my life to you. I don't understand how now that I'm a believer, things are going so badly. Whereas before I accepted you, things were going really well. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of comprehend this, but I love you. And I make a commitment to you, Lord, uh, that I'm going to go back. I had a financial background, and I had my own business at this point. I said, I'll go back in the financial world, and I'll make all this money again. I'm going to pay off everything I own. And I don't know, it'll probably take me two years, but I've got to declare bankruptcy uh, at this point. So that's what I've got to do. Uh, as soon as I finish praying that prayer, uh, I'm actually driving to my work, and uh, I feel physically the weight and the stress just roll off my shoulders. I mean, I'm alone in the car. And uh, I'm not one for uh, being very emotional, but I start weeping. And I'm like, Lord, what on earth is going on? And it's like I could feel the presence of God. For the first time, uh, those scriptures which said the Lord will take care of you, that you don't have to worry and stress. I mean, I just was sensing that. I was feeling that. And yet nothing in my world had changed. I mean, I was driving to work with a company which was broke. and Lo and behold, I get to work, and the phone is ringing. And the person says to me, I want to buy your business. And I'm like, just assume it's one of my friends. It's just, you know, got a crank call. And I say, yeah, who is this? And the guy tells me, and I say, no, well, really, who is this? Why are you really phoning? I want to buy your business. And finally, I'm like, you want me to send you a balance sheet, income statement? I couldn't care about your balance sheet or income statement. I'm the president of Colgate Palmolive, and my wife is bored. She needs a hobby. I want to buy your business. So I said, great, I'll sell you my business. <laughs> but that's when I started realizing, you know, God is large and in charge. I mean, he has a way of uh, working in our lives, changing uh, things uh, for us. Uh, we emigrated when I sold my business, my wife and I, we traveled for a year. We wanted to leave South Africa. We ended up here in Boston. And uh, I ended up going back into financial business. I just don't know what's wrong with me, but I just kept wanting more pain. Signed up for a CPA, went and worked in a uh, public accounting firm downtown Boston. And uh, it was the recession of 91. And we were in a somewhat smallish accounting firm. Uh, probably about 15 of us in the firm, and the boss, the partner, laid me off. And I remember that meeting. Uh, he calls me into the office, and he's sitting behind his big desk, and he's really awkward. He's fidgeting, and, and he said, uh, you know, Rob, I've got really bad news for you. Um, you know, I, I have to lay you off. And uh, I remember sitting in that meeting and thinking, 
I said to him, I said, look, don't worry about it. I said, honestly, Christ will take care of me. I, I actually, I want to thank you for the 18 months that I've had here. It's my first job in America. You've given me a start. I've learned uh, a lot about the complexities of the tax code here. And uh, I just thank you for the opportunity. And uh, he was like shocked that I wasn't annoyed or angry. And I said, no, God will provide. And, and indeed, God did provide. And uh, I battled to find another position. I thought I was going to have to relocate uh, out of state. We wanted to stay in Boston. And we ended up staying. Uh, I went back to public accounting in Worcester. got a job there. And I finally got licensed as, an, as a CPA. And uh, I mean, I was just a miserable tax accountant doing accounting, working, uh, you know, 80 hours a week and earning 30000 a year. I mean, it's like, Something didn't add up yet. It's like all these hours, all the stress, no money. Uh, it's like, this is not good. And I remember thinking, God, I, I don't understand how this works. I've been faithful in tithing uh, in church, and, and I know that you're going to provide, but, you know, I'm just not seeing it. And, you know, this has been like a long time now. It's like three years. I'm just groveling. But, you know, I just thought, oh, God, I know you provide. I know you're good. I know you're large and in charge. And then... Uh, I went to a meeting downtown Boston, and I said to this guy, I'm sitting with him, and I said, you know, I'm looking for another job. This is what I want in a job. And I, I, I listed, I had them all listed out, I, like eight things. He turns to me and he says, did you see my advert in the Boston Globe? This is, you know, way back in the 90s when you actually advertised for jobs in the newspaper. He said, did you see my advert in the Boston Globe? And I said, no. He said, no, you're kidding me. I said, no, I'm not. He said, exactly what you described, I'm looking for somebody. And he was recruiting on behalf of a company. Well, I ended up getting into that company as a chief financial officer. It was the best job I ever had. I mean, it was just the greatest job. I mean, I had no stress, no travel, no overtime, huge pay. I mean, it was a dream job. I loved that job. And, uh, you know, the light went on. I said, Lord, you have honored. You said you would provide for me. You said, you know, I can trust you. Now, it wasn't in my timing, but it was in God's timing. But when you look at the scheme of your life and you see how God works in your life, you can see God's blessing in your lives. I mean, if you've been a Christian for any length of time and you've truly lived for the Lord and done it according to His way, you will see God's blessing in your life. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about uh, how God really does want to bless us and how He would love us to... Uh, Live our lives financially. Uh, so there's a great passage in Matthew uh, that I'll just uh, look at. And this is Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. And he's talking about in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse starting in 19, he's talking about money and possessions. And I'm not going to read all of this. I'm just going to sort of highlight some of the points which jump out to me. But Jesus says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. And I'm like, I understand that. I've moved from desiring money to desiring you, Lord. And then in verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I'm like, God, I get it. I get why you were so harsh with me. You really wanted to stamp that out uh, in me. And then in verse 25, uh, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
Isn't there more than food and your body and, and clothing? And then it says in verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And obviously they can't. And then in verse 30 at the end, it says, why do you have so little faith? Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you enough, everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. I mean, this whole passage, Christ is just talking about, don't worry, I will provide, you will have enough, you just got to put your trust in me. The starting point is really believing in me, really living for me, not sort of, but totally, and I will totally bless you. Uh, but it does take faith. I mean, this is not like easy. Uh, this, you, you know, you're working against our own natural uh, sense of, of how to do it. But I, I want to look at 10 things that I see in the Bible, uh, how we can live financially well, according to the biblical precepts, uh, and also do it stress-free. I mean, what is God saying in terms of living this way? Well, the first point, and if you've got an outline, uh, you might want to follow along with me. I'm going to be jumping. I'm going to be doing a lot of verses today, and you will not be able to follow uh, each verse unless you've got a, a, you know, it online. Uh, but we'll put them up on the screen. The starting point for financial uh, peace or for stress-free living is putting God first. I mean, there's just no shock there. This Everything in our life, God wants us to put him first. And the verse I just read, uh, I'll read it again. Seek the kingdom of God above all else uh, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Likewise, in Matthew 16, 26, it says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You know, so Christ is really just saying, look, put me first. It is, uh, you can't get around the other points unless you've dealt with point one. I mean, you really have to decide, uh, am I going to really trust God? Uh, am I going to trust Christ with my finances? Will Christ really provide? And, uh, you know, I could ask for many testimonies in this room, and there'd be many good ones where people have, uh, really just got outstanding testimony how Christ has provided financially, specifically. The second uh, point here is to work hard. Uh, God expects us to work hard. Now, there are a bunch of scriptures here. Let me just read them to you. Romans 12, 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, I am reading from the New Living Translation in case some of this uh, is phrased a little differently. Proverbs 10:4. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard work, hard workers get rich. Proverbs 13:4. Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And then Colossians 3:23. Work work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So clearly, uh, God wants us as believers to have a strong work ethic. Uh, he's encouraging us. Don't be lazy. Work hard. 
The third point I want to make may surprise you because in stress-free financial living, uh, the third point is rest and have fun. I, I mean, it really is important. I mean, God wants us to work hard, but it, he also wants us to rest and have fun. Uh, let me read Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Uh, in the Old Testament, in fact, part of the Ten Commandments is the idea of having a Sabbath. The idea of a Sabbath was that one day a week you would just take it off. Uh, you would rest, uh, you would go to the temple, you would worship God, you'd do no work. Uh, but what's kind of interesting is in the New Testament, if there's one concept that I think gets butchered, it's the whole idea of Sabbath. Uh, in that, Christ never reiterated that part of the Ten Commandments. You don't find the Sabbath in the New Testament. Uh, and yet, uh, Jesus is uh, not, you know, obliterating the Ten Commandments. He's fulfilling them. But as New Testament Christians, uh, I think there's such confusion over this idea of Sabbath. Meaning, uh, God is not asking us to take the day off and to do no work and to get legalistic and don't switch the lights on and don't do this and don't do that. Uh, Christ's own lifestyle represented someone that worked. I mean, he worked on the Sabbath. I mean, that's why people hated him the religious people, because he'd heal people, and he'd say, my father's always at work, and so am I. And, and he was like, he really got people mad. But the point that we miss is that it's in Christ that we get our rest. If we've received Christ, there is a rest that we receive in him. There is a peace and a joy that we can get no other way. Uh, Christ is not asking us to be legalistic about trying to take a Sabbath. Like, you can take rest on Saturday or Monday or any day, but you need to take rest. Uh, the rest that we get, I'll repeat it, is in Christ. And we see it in this verse. Come to me, all you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give you rest. Now, what goes hand in hand with this ability to not have rest in our culture is this. If God has created you to be like a musician or to be a poet or to have the ability to be an artist or maybe you like dancing or maybe you like me and you like running or maybe for you what gives you life uh, would be a, a walk on the beach uh, or maybe what is really life-giving to you is to sit around a a dinner table or go to a restaurant, have your family around or have friends around and have a really good meal and enjoy the company that you're with. Maybe that gives you life. Let me ask you this question. Is that not a spiritual exercise? If Christ has wired you that way and you're like Paula, you're like going to swim, you know, at six o'clock in the morning for a mile in the, in the lake here. I mean, I know it's crazy, but it gives her life. Maybe her alone. But if you're a poet and you like just doing writing poetry, are you doing it? I mean, really, are you doing it? If that's what gives you life, are you doing it? 
And let me just say, I think you need to. It's a spiritual exercise. God is interested in your whole being. Your, when he talks about your soul, it's your physical being. It's the things that give you life. It's what gives you interest. So if you're going to take Sabbath rest seriously, do the things that you enjoy doing. I mean, Dave likes, yeah, he's Harley and going for long rides. Praise the Lord. That's a spiritual exercise. He's doing what gives him life. Uh, that's the idea that Christ has, that if we can do these things in him, we will enjoy peace and rest. So on the one hand, work really, really hard. On the other hand, do the things that give you life and make sure you do them. Take time. Enjoy your family. That's the way that we're supposed to get rest. We do it in Christ. Christ is interested in a whole person, not just, you know, uh, a spiritual side, so to speak. It's, it's inclusive. The fourth part here uh, is to live debt-free. Uh, the biblical understanding of how we should live our lives is one where we are debt-free. Uh, let me just read a few verses here. Uh, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, uh, God is talking to the Jewish people. He's saying, let me explain to you two ways of living. One way is if you live according to my ways and you experience my blessing. This is what it'll look like. On the other hand, if you want to do your own thing, uh, you're going to go astray, and this is what your life is going to look like. So in Deuteronomy 28:44, it says this. This is the bad way. You will lend money. They will lend money to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, and you will be the tail. So God is basically saying, listen, you will become enslaved. You will be the tail. You will be the last. And you will be at the mercy of the person that's lending you money. And God is saying, I don't want that. I want the exact opposite. I want you to be the one that's generous. I want you to be the one that's prosperous. I want you to be the one that is giving money to others. I want you to be the head and not the tail. Uh, Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Proverbs 22.7, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is the servant to the lender. The rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. Not good to be the one that's the servant. Deuteronomy 15.6, the Lord your God will bless you as he promised. You will lend money to many nations, but will never need to borrow. That's the life of blessing. Uh, I think the issue for us today is one of debt. Uh, we are a nation which ensnared in debt. You know, in the 80s, America was lending to many nations around the world, just as Deuteronomy would say was a blessing. And today we find ourselves in the exact reverse scenario, where we are borrowing from many nations around the world. Uh, that has trickled down to us individually, where uh, many of us are, or many of you, I am not one of those, ensnared in debt, and uh, this has become a noose around your, your neck. Uh, you know, there used to be a time when you went to the bank to get a mortgage for your house, which is probably the only debt which we should be carrying in 
you know, reasonable proportion. The bank wouldn't, they had an internal formula that they wouldn't lend more than about 28% of your, your income. Then in the 70s, something changed and there was two income families and they'd basically lend you money based on both incomes. And uh, the bank would lend you basically any amount as long as they didn't lose money and they had your house as a security. So they just lend a lot. But it meant most people were getting mortgages more than they could afford. Uh, and you, couldn't, you didn't have freedom for anything else. So anyway, having said that, whew, somebody's having fun back there. Doesn't like debt. That's what it is. That baby's saying, I don't like debt. My parents, uh, Steve, come on up. Uh, we have Steve here and Greg who are going to run uh, Financial Peace. And Steve's got a great opening line. I don't know where you got it from. Why don't you share that with us, Steve? So I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey, and I listen to his radio show almost every day. And he starts off every single episode by saying the following, which I had told Rob and he liked. And it is, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of like that. Um, and so, you know, when... Instead of bragging about your BMW, we should have a party. We say, hey, who's paid off their mortgage? You know, who's done mortgage? Who's debt-free? Anyway, uh, if we can get this little promo to run for uh, financial peace, that'll be, that'll be great, Kevin. Um, and you're welcome to join us. Financial in. peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. All right. So if that's appealing to you, speak to Greg, speak to Steve. Uh, we've got a class starting in a month's time. And uh, have a systematic plan of getting out of debt and having a plan for your finances, more than what I can articulate uh, in a sermon. Uh, but... Again, from a practical standpoint, uh, for me, the only debt which is valid is mortgage. And this is non-biblical advice, so you can totally discount it if you like. I'm just offering practical advice because people do ask me, like, so what do you think, Rob? What's a good percentage of my gross income that I should be able to spend on a mortgage? And I would say 30%, which includes your mortgage, your taxes, your utilities. If you can keep it around 30%, uh, you'll have money to do the other things that you need to do in life. If you're, uh, if you're spending like 50% on mortgage and taxes and utilities, you're going to be squeezed. 
uh, you're going to, but again, that's Rob's advice. Uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, say, where did you see that in the Bible? Uh, the fifth point I want to make here is financially, we should provide for our family. Uh, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says this, honor your father and your mother. It is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on earth. Now, here we have Jesus reiterating the Ten Commandments, saying, hey, this one, you know, I'm putting in the New Testament. And the idea here is many of you are roughly the same age as me, where you're dealing with parents, which are getting uh, along in life. And uh, financially, uh, we have to take care of them. We need to be responsible. That would be the blessed thing to do. Likewise, in uh, point six, uh, Financially, we should provide for our church. Uh, Luke 11.42 says this. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So, you know, basically Jesus is saying, look, tithing, yes, but, you know, that's not the, the biggest and most important thing, but do it. And then regarding uh, investing, Ecclesiastes 11 Two says we should invest with diversity. Here's a great uh, biblical principle. It says this, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. Interestingly enough, uh, recently, this week, in fact, Warren Buffett uh, just uh, endorsed Vanguard's index funds. Now, what's a Vanguard index fund? Again, you don't find this in the Bible. This is just Rob speaking here, right? I'm not necessarily saying you should all go invest in Vanguard index funds. I do, uh, and you might want to too. The reason is that you don't have to pay a lot of money for somebody to manage the fund, and they've done better than most experts that pick the fund. So that's why Warren Buffett said, hey, in the long term, you can just stick your money in a fund which doesn't need a whole lot of help and manipulation, and they've done really well. But what is... <clears throat> Well, that made me worse. But what is an index fund? An index fund is this. It's Ecclesiastes. An index fund is one which is investing broadly in many places. So you invest in one fund, and the fund invests it across the stock market, across all of America, or if you choose, across the whole of the world. Good plan. Uh, point eight. We should save for emergencies and for retirement. Uh, and the Bible uses the ant. This lonely little ant to point out uh, this truth. Proverbs 30, 24, 25. There are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, similarly. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Don't you like that? Learn from their ways and become wise. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Uh, it's prudent that we would be like, do likewise. We should all have money in a checking account, which we'd call an emergency fund. Again, you're not going to find these dollar amounts in the Bible. This is just like Rob's sort of advice. You can take it or leave it. Don't ignore the biblical advice like the ant. Store it up. But when you start quantifying it, it's when it gets squirrely. Look, if your average income as a family is about $100,000, I, I highly recommend that you have like $20,000 just lying in a checking 
savings account for emergency. That's prudent financial management. And you know what, folks? We do a similar thing here with the church and with the church's finances. Uh, We have a a sizable amount of money, what might seem sizable to you, uh, like 120,000 in a bank checking account for emergency funds. Now, the reason you do that for your own personal finances and why we do it as a church is this. You know as well as I do, when your car breaks down, it's also the exact same time that your fridge breaks down, and it's also the exact same time that some other appliance thing, you know, the pipe leaks. I mean, they all seem to come at once. That's why you have an emergency fund. It's not the time to start spending on a credit card or running to the bank. It's time to say, oh, that's why I got the money in my checking savings account. I can just pay these things. I can be stress-free. It's not a worry to me, and you just move on. It's not a crisis. Uh, let me wind up here, verse uh, nine, the ninth point. Pass on an inheritance to your family and to your church. Uh, listen to Psalm seventeen fourteen. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. And then Colossians, speaking more from a spiritual standpoint, uh, one twelve. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Matthew 6, 19, 34. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where, the, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So here the idea is, you know, we should have, uh, if we've lived a life of blessing, we're going to pass that financial blessing on to our kids. If we've lived a life of blessing, we're going to pass on our spiritual heritage to our kids, uh, and we're going to pass it on to the church. And, uh, you know, we're a young church. Uh, I would encourage those of you that have means, hey, think about putting the church in your will. I mean, take care of your kids, your family. But, you know, if you've got extra it would certainly be helpful, especially as a young church where we're moving into a building program. But we're not, we don't have people that have given us money uh, because, you know, they've died. And, but I would encourage you, put in your will for advancing of the kingdom. Finally, the last point. Live each day with faith, hope, and love. Now, this clearly isn't a financial point, but it's an overarching point which certainly includes finances. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Uh, We should live with a sense that we're not doing this alone, that Christ is with us, that he is for us, and that uh, faith in him, the faith is that, God, you will provide. God, I will do my part. But, God, you're going to take care of the much bigger part, the things that I can't see, the things that I can't control. uh, You will allow me. Uh, to walk my life out as a blessing uh, with you. I can't control what job opportunities are going to come up. You, you do. Uh, you can direct me. And so we live this life in this tension where we think we control it all, but we have to constantly say, God, it's yours. Uh, you provide the opportunities. Uh, and we have this hope that God will, will provide. And we hear testimonies like mine or many others, how God does provide and how we can live stress-free. Now, having said all that, uh, obviously, each of you has your own story and your own predicament. Uh, you, you could be in financial distress 
because you've been divorced, uh, you're a single parent, uh, you might have had uh, sickness, you've been unable to work, or even worse, you've had a double whammy where you're unable to work because you're sick and you don't have health insurance, and so you've paid everything you've got in that. Uh, or you could have just been foolish, you know, you just didn't live wisely and therefore you're broke. Uh, it doesn't matter. God is still large and in charge. Our trust is still that, God, you will do something and you will transform it. So I want to just end there and I want to finish with a little, again, a little spiritual exercise here. And uh, this is a spiritual exercise. Uh, Kevin, will you put those 10 points up for me? They're real tiny, but if you can read them, otherwise just look at your handout. This is what I want you to do. Uh, let me just pray first. Lord, I just lift up uh, as we do this little exercise, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would encourage us, you would uh, show us your love, you would direct us, uh, even when it comes to something as uh, you know, simple as, as finances, we all have to deal with it. Uh, just give us wisdom and peace and joy. So Lord, just help us as we do a little exercise. Uh, we just invite your presence uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, this is what I would like you to do is just look at this list and what I've said and do two things. Firstly, think about what in that is appealing to you. I mean, what, what are you drawn to? You say, yeah, I really like that point. Uh, this is what I'm drawn to. And then on the other hand, uh, what did I say that was really repulsive to you that you're recoiling from? And you think, geez, that's, that's really awkward. Or, I don't really like that. And, and here's the, the spiritual exercise. Ask the Lord, why is it that you felt that way? Why is it, what is the item that you, you know, you were gravitating towards? And which was the one that you were kind of resistant towards? And just ask the Lord, why is that? So let's just take a minute. No, don't have to take a long time. Lord, we just uh, give you your word. We just allow you to speak to us, Lord. We know that certain things you're just drawing us towards and other things, Lord, we just know that uh, we're battling with and we're recoiling from. And we just ask, Lord, what is it that you're saying to us in that? So, Lord, I just make some space for you to speak to us as encourage us. Amen. Uh, here at the vineyard, we always ask people to come forward. We love to pray for people. But in this particular case, we will certainly ask uh, those for you to come forward which would like prayer. But I want to do this. Uh, uh, Dave, you can hit the lights there for me. For those of you that are feeling stressed financially, uh, I just encourage you, just where you are, sitting in your seat, just open up your hands. I just pray. I want to pray for you broadly. Uh, so if you're feeling financially stressed or uh, maybe even between jobs, and that's stressful, how are you going to provide? Uh, but if finances are an area of stress for you, well, let's just uh, acknowledge that. Uh, Lord, we just acknowledge that that is an area of stress. Lord, we just also acknowledge that that's sinful. Uh, you told us not to worry. And yet, Lord, we realize that we just do. We do worry. And so, Lord, I just uh, ask for an increase in faith, increase of your provision, increase of your love, an increase of hope, 
And Lord, we just give it to you. We acknowledge that you promised that you will provide. So Lord, I just pray a blessing on those that are in a, a difficult situation. And Lord, we just pray that you will provide practically and that people would recognize that you did something miraculously in their life. And when they do, they would be willing to testify about that to others, to friends. Jesus, I just thank you that you are a good and gracious and generous God. I pray financial blessing on your people. Lord, give us wisdom on all the decisions that we need to make. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We have a worship team uh, coming up, and uh, Kevin, if you'd like to share a few prayer thoughts uh, from our time this morning in prayer. Uh, hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, I just want to hopefully encourage us with a couple of scriptures this morning. Um, the first one is from Colossians uh, 3.10. Put on your new nature and be renewed um, as you learn to know your creator and become uh, like him. Uh, so maybe for some of you, um, you might be interested in um, putting on that new nature, sort of uh, putting on new spiritual clothes, maybe uh, learning to... Uh, uh, follow Jesus, becoming a follower of him. We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, and then maybe maybe there's some of you who uh, who've maybe made a bad decision and, and gone back to the old nature. Um, I, I just believe the Lord um, would like to restore you uh, this morning. And then secondly, need a couple more hands here. Um, there was a picture of, of these fish that were swimming upstream. I'm picturing like maybe salmon, um, and, and that they were they were really tired and fatigued. And uh, the verse that went with that was uh, Psalm 73, and it says, "My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart, and is mine forever." Um, so I believe if that applies to anyone. Uh, I believe the Lord just wants to give you strength uh, this morning. And if you'd like prayer for anything else, um, we'd, we'd love to spend a few minutes praying with you. All right. Uh, why don't you stand? Let's have a closing uh, song. And if you'd like prayer for what Kevin's mentioned or anything else, so we'd gladly pray for you. Uh, just come on up at the same time. Thanks, Andy.